Hello, Feisties. I'm Sarah Gross, CEO and founder of Feisty Media. And I'm here to tell you that our foundational strength training course, Strong, is on sale now through April 10th. If you're like me, you probably get a lot of crap in your Instagram or Facebook feed telling you how you should look or how you will feel if you look a certain way. As summer approaches, this only gets worse. We are told we should have a quote unquote summer body as if our bodies somehow morph into something completely different just because the weather changes. And frankly, over here at Feisty Media, we are totally sick of it. Because at Feisty, our vision is to build an empowering culture for active women. We want to shift our attention away from what our bodies look like and focus instead on what our bodies can do especially during the summer months when having the physical strength to do the activities we love is so important. The Strong Course is designed to take any woman, regardless of your starting point, through everything you need to know to level up your strength training journey. It includes a 16-week program to help you progress from wherever you are to lifting heavy or heavy-ish with dumbbells or a barbell. It also includes modules on the physiology of strength training for women, nutrition, how we keep ourselves injury free and more. I want every woman to be able to do the things that bring her joy and be strong enough to do them for life. Enrollment in this course is now open and you can sign up and learn more at womensperformance.com forward slash strong or check the show notes of this episode for the link. And for those of you who are among the 800 women who have already taken the Strong Course with one of our previous cohorts, congratulations on taking the plunge. And to the rest of you, see you in the course in April. Make this summer your strongest and best ever. Head over to womensperformance.com forward slash strong today. Welcome to All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast, where all bodies are good bodies, all bikes are good bikes, and all rides should be celebrated. All Bodies on Bikes is a movement to create and foster a size-inclusive bike community. So join your hosts. I'm Maggie. And I'm Marley. As we explore the complexities of the biking world, help us break down barriers and create the world that we want to see. And don't forget that all bodies really means all bodies, not just larger bodies but bodies of all sizes, ages, races, abilities, genders, sexualities, and beyond. Come along for the ride. Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast. This is Marley, and before we start the show today, I want to invite you to join me for a really special event next week on March 7th at 4 p.m. Pacific time for a very special International Women's Day conversation. This year's International Women's Day theme is all about equity. You might have heard this word tossed around and just not really sure what it means, especially in the context of sport. Well, join me and a couple of really amazing women in the sports world, um, hosted by Celine Yeager and Sarah Gross, um, who you might know from other feisty media podcasts. I will be joined by Jessica Tuomela, Allison Tietrich, and Khadija Diggs, and we are really going to dig into what equity means to us. So join us next 
Wednesday, March 7th at 4 p.m. Pacific time. You can find all the details at feistymedia.com. Enjoy the show. Maggie, today's episode is really exciting to me. I just got to hang out with this person for like 48 hours. Just a little more than that. A little more than that. Um, It was, yeah, then. Anyway, I got to sleep in their house, um, which sounds fantastic. (laughs) No, I mean, you get to be excited about that, I feel like. Yeah, I I don't know. It's kind of like a slumber party for adults when you like, but you don't have to sleep on the ground. Are not done enough, in my opinion. Grownups should be having more slumber parties. Our grape juice has improved significantly since we were little. It's got other stuff in it now, and it makes you really happy to be in here. (laughs) I told a partner one time that, like, I was just really excited to be living with them because it was a sleepover every night. And they just looked at me, and I was like, you don't feel the same way? Right. (laughs) We're no no longer dating, so clearly they didn't. (laughs) Anyway, let's get to the business of today's podcast, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Um, today's guest, um, are, is it okay if I introduce them? It's fine with me. Great. Go uh, for it. <laughs> this is why we don't record twice in the same day because we've lost <laughs> all of our magic. Um, their episodes are going to come out on different days, but that's okay. So today's guest is Abby Robbins. Uh, you may have heard them on a bunch of different podcasts, including Pace and McKelvin's podcast, um, the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. And I think you've been on a whole bunch more. Um, so they are well-versed at this, um, but they are our guest today. All ours. Yeah, they are. <laughs> <laughs> so Abby is an author, teacher, and coach who found their career in helping people change their lives. Abby loves riding gravel and plans to leverage their skill set to make a positive impact in the cycling industry. Abby's work is supported by Giant Bicycles, Goo Energy Labs, Shammy Butter, and more. Um, also, you might know Abby as Queer Gravel. Welcome to the show, Abby. Hello. I am here on the show. <laughs> that was so emphatic. I mean, we are, we're excited to have you here. Yeah. yeah. I'm excited to be here, even though here is just where I normally am. <laughs> But I'm excited to be in this in in the cosmic space with you. Oh, yes. we're in I cosmic we're in space. space. So excited right now. <laughs> <laughs> did you did you guys see that um, the top of Mount Washington was technically in the stratosphere this weekend? Whoa. No. Yeah, I don't really understand the physics um, or the meteorology of it, but something about where the jet stream was at and the weather, and it was also like a negative 122 degrees or something. Sure absolutely wild so I'm really glad we're not recording at the top of Mount Washington in Vermont yeah Yeah. that sounds terrible (laughs) yes we are in our own little earth-based atmosphere um so let's dig into it Abby um yeah obviously our show is about bicycles and all sorts of bodies being on bikes how did you get into bikes well um I mean, road bikes as a kid, like most people, um, but actually my first job when I was like in middle school was um, building bikes at my then stepfather's bike shop. So, oh, cool. So I got like an early entry, uh, like an earlier entry to like bikes as tools and bikes as forms of transportation and bikes as something more than just like a toy you might get like at Walmart, like pretty early. Um, and those things were like really ingrained in me that like, oh, this is a valuable tool and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and so I rode quite a bit 
then I had a mountain bike. I had a really badass like Schwinn uh, Mesa like mountain bike. And Heck yeah, not that there was any mountain biking. Really, I lived in Kansas at the time, and not like the Flint Hills of Kansas that are like all hilly and <laughs> like the flattest part of Kansas possible. So no mountain biking. Um, and I had a road bike. And I would ride around. Um, but then- I, I also oh sorry, I totally interrupted you. That's my job. Um, <laughs> I also had a mountain bike as like my first exciting bike and I lived in a very flat part of Texas but I thought it was super cool and like my big knobby tires and like I could send it off a curb so hard yeah exactly and that's what (laughs) I did right and like that was when the suspension had those little black rubber accordion things on it and I just thought it was the coolest looking thing I was like yeah um (laughs) looking back I'm like that's funny although I worked at a bike shop, fast forward. I worked at a bike shop here in Texas, here in Austin uh, for a little while. And somebody brought in an old Schwinn Mesa from like the same year that I had. And I was like, that bike is still super cool. Um, anyway, rewind, uh, rode around in high school and whatnot. Um, and then, you know, didn't really ride a whole lot. Um, and actually lost both of those bikes uh, in, 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 a, in a tragic car bike rack accident oh no driving on the highway and the bike rack flew off the back of my car (laughs) luckily no one was hurt it was in the middle of the night no one else was on the highway um but then I was just like running around the highway picking up bike pieces very very tragic so I didn't have a bike again for a real long time um I eventually became kind of like a fair weather commuter but then during the pandemic in Austin yeah, I did a little bit when I lived in Northwest Arkansas. So I lived in Salem Springs for a little while and did some commuting there. Um, and that was kind of the extent of it. But then uh, moved to Austin, did a little more commuting. And then during the pandemic, uh, I was like, I needed to, I did need to like make some lifestyle adjustments and be more active. And I always really liked biking. Um so I was like, all right, I'm going to get a new bike. What kind of bike am I going to get? And I did a bunch of research, went down YouTube rabbit holes and found gravel cycling. And I was like, oh shit, that's what I want to do. <laughs> and that's the kind of bike I'm going to get. And then I did, and I like totally fell in love with it. Um, and just started riding basically all the time. Um, yeah. And then fast forward again, and we're here talking about bikes some more. So it's kind of been a rocket ship for you because the pandemic wasn't all that long ago. No. Yeah, it was. And it was like, it was basically two and a half years ago. Um, So it was June of 2020. um, And I set the goal of in June, 2020, when I bought the bike, I was like next year, June, 2021, I'm going to ride unbound. Um, And that was like my goal. And you did it. Met that goal. Heck Heck yeah. 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 Um, And actually you were the very first non-binary champion for Unbound Gravel. Is that correct? That is correct. That is, that is why anyone listening to this podcast might know who I am. (laughs) (laughs) Well, tell us a little bit about that. Well, actually let's back up. What does non-binary mean? Um, Folks listening might not know. And one of the things we try and encourage on this podcast is inviting folks in and, um, you know, non-binary and genderqueer folks have been around forever, but we haven't always used this language to talk about it. So do you mind telling us a little bit about it? Oh, um, so non-binary uh, is, it's kind of an umbrella term, um, which is under the umbrella term of transgender. So 
we'll back up and talk about that. So if you are transgender, it simply means that you don't identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth. If you do uh, do identify with the gender you were assigned at birth, you're called cisgender. That that is um, that's not a slur for <laughs> anybody who may be concerned about that. It is just a descriptor of of who you are um, and how you identify. Um, so if you're transgender, um, the kind of next umbrella term underneath trans would be um, like a binary trans person or a non-binary trans person. Um, so binary meaning one of two options, right? So traditionally the two options in the gender spectrum are male and female, man and woman. Um, and then there are plenty of trans people who want to transition from male to female, female to male, et cetera. Um, and then there are a lot of trans people who don't like either of those options. Um, and that's where I fall. Uh, I am non-binary, so I don't identify as a woman. I don't identify as a man. Um, I am uh, somewhere in between, somewhere uh, completely off the spectrum. It is somewhere out in the ethers, I like to say. Um, and it's really, again, it's an umbrella term. Some people like to call themselves gender fluid. Um, there are lots of different um, descriptors that you could get really in the weeds about. Um, I use the term non-binary because it seems the most, both the most accessible and the most closely um, closely defined to how I feel. Um, it can mean different things to different people, but generally speaking, uh, it, the simplest definition is you don't identify as either a man or a woman. Thank you. Um, yeah, I, I know it's not, people are probably always asking you to do that. So I really appreciate you putting the effort into educating folks. Um, no, who, I actually don't get asked that very often. I don't think I've ever been asked that on a podcast. Oh, so, yeah. I think, I think we make a lot of assumptions um, that we assume what we think something means. And like you said, um, definitions mean different things to different people. So yeah. I really appreciate you digging into that. Yeah, definitely. Um, Maggie, you look like you're about to say something. I was not. I was just smiling. I'm sorry. I'll never do it again. No, it's okay. <laughs> um, I, I tend to, to talk a lot. And so I just want to make sure I'm not. You do great. We're okay. doing great. Everybody's doing great. Everybody you know is what? doing great. Um, so as that feeds into um, an event like Unbound, um, can you tell us how that came about? And it's, yeah. it's obviously grown since then. Um, I've got a picture of you handing out awards from this year's podium. Um, but yeah. um, Well, I mean, to give people a little bit of, of the history. So, um, I mean, it's, it's, it's weirdly wrapped up in some like strange political stuff that's been happening over the last few years. Um, Arkansas passed some really regressive anti-trans legislation. Uh, right about the same time that uh, the UCI and USA Cycling. So the UCI is like the world governing body of professional cycling. Um, and USA Cycling is the, the United States governing body. They decided to host some really big events in Fayetteville in 2021, right after all this legislation was passed. The cycling industry got kind of up in arms about it. There was lots of discussion about, well, what do we do? What do we not do? Um, but as I had mentioned, my, my goal for my personal self was to ride at Unbound in 2021. Um, and I had registered and, you know, I, all this craziness that's happened to me since Unbound in 2021 is 
really interesting to me because I I hadn't made any assumptions about uh, sports. Um, like I had no expectations about how I would be treated or seen or cared for in mm-hmm. this space. Was Unbound your first cycling event? Um, large scale. First, it was it was definitely the first like large scale event. I had done a couple local events, and I'd even done an event in just outside Tulsa because I have some family there. Um, but they were all much smaller events. Um, and so this was my first like really big event. And truly I had no, even at those smaller events, I I had no expectation of like people even caring that I was non-binary. I just sort of was like, I don't know. That wasn't what I was trying to get out of the space. I just, I wanted to go ride my bike. Yeah. So I put up with the, you know, annoying check boxes and whatever. Um, but unbound and lifetime's response to everything that was happening in the cycling industry at that time. And all of the, uh, the, the hubbub and the, you know, political stuff was to actually create a non-binary category for all of their races. And unbound was the next one that was coming up when they had made this decision. Um, so I had already registered through the lottery. I got in and I was excited, you know, and they sent out an email saying, if you, uh, you know, here's our trans inclusion policy, um, you know, and they went through all of it in this email. And then they said, we've also created a non-binary category um, for people who identify as non-binary and for any trans person who doesn't feel safe writing in uh, the category, like the category that they are required to based on these, um, based on their trans inclusion policy. Um, and so, I was like, holy cow, this is for me. Like that, like I, I get to like show up and be in the non-binary category. This is so cool. And I was, I was thrilled. So I sent them an email and was like, change my registration, blah, blah, blah. And they took care of all of it. Um, and then it wasn't until we were, my wife and we took my kids up. I actually have family near Emporia. So it was like a family vacation and we were really going to see my family um, and then I was going to sneak away for a day and do this race. Um, you know, just ride a hundred miles casually. Yeah. You know, just like, give me, give me a day. Uh, it was, there was <laughs> nothing casual about that ride. Oh my God. <laughs> I was so unprepared, but we were riding, we we're driving up there and my wife is driving and I'm like, they, they make some announcement on social media that like, you can see the start list and see who all is riding. And, and I was like, oh, cool. I want to see all the other non-binary people. Cause like I had put some stuff out on Instagram, but I only had like 150 followers. And so I was like, well, I'm not going to like, I don't cast a wide enough net to find people. Um, so I was like scrolling and I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. And then I look and in the hundred mile event, which is what I had signed up for. I was the only non-binary person. Um, and I was like, well, maybe there are some in the 200. Nope. There weren't any in the 200, not in the 50, not in the 25 not in the 350 out of 4,000 plus athletes. I was the only person registered in the non-binary category. Um, what were you thinking at that moment? Yeah. Well, I was like, <laughs> in that moment in the car, like I thought it was, I was a little bit bummed. I was like, that sucks. Like, I wish there were more people. Um, but then I was immediately making the joke, like, well, as long as I finish, I win. Like, that's yes. Cool. Um, and 
then I just sort of like, I, I kind of put it out of my mind until like race. This was like th- two days before the race. Um, and then like race day came around. And I think over those couple of days hanging out with my family, like it really sunk in that like, oh no, not, not like I'm, I'm the only one. I'm the first, I'm the only one here. Um, I was, I was super not prepared for unbound. Like until that point, the longest ride I'd ever ridden was like 60 miles on pavement. Um, the last time I tried to ride a gravel century, I made it to like mile 42 and I had to call my mom (laughs) to like, come get me like drive out into the middle of Oklahoma at the event that I was at in Tulsa. And she had to like, come get me. Um, it was pretty embarrassing. Um, right. It happens. It happens. There's no, you know, I say no shame, but I felt a little bit of shame and I was kind of smidge, (laughs) you know, it's there, it's there. It's hard to shake. Um, But so like I went in and I went into this trip thinking, oh, it's fine. I'm just going to see what I can do. Right. Like I didn't have any expectations of myself. I didn't have any, um, I didn't have any goal really than to, to, to have fun. Um, and, and then it kind of sank in over that, those couple of days, it was like, uh, oh, oh no, I, I have to finish. Mm, so you felt some pressure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, don't know that it was so much pressure as it was duty um like and and I know that this isn't actually the case but there was kind of this feeling of like like maybe it's not so much a feeling it's just like a fear of like what I mean what happens if the one person who shows up can't even complete the race like will they have this category next year will Mm. they will they like still see the need to have it? And so I think for me, it was just like, I I need to, I need to show up and I I need to finish. And so I was like, there's a time cut off for the middle checkpoint. And I was like, okay, push yourself as hard as you freaking can to get to mile 55, where my dad was waiting with like another like hydration pack. And, you know, he was a nervous wreck the whole time. He hated being my support crew. because <laughs> um, He's like, I'm never doing that again. Um, so I was just like, okay, ride as hard as I can get to mile 55 and then take as much time as you need to get the rest. Because like the, the time cut off after that was like another like 24 eight, hours. Yeah. It was like two in the morning. Right. Like, and I got there. <laughs> noon. So I was like, okay, I have 14 hours to do this next like 50 ish miles. Okay. I can do that. Um, but yeah, it was super hard. Like, and I really feel like if I hadn't had that pressure or that sense of duty, um, I definitely wouldn't have finished like, because it was so like I was so unprepared in, in like, I can't even express to you how like woefully unprepared I was. Um, <laughs> yeah. So this, this is another topic that I hadn't planned to touch on today. Um, but do you have advice for other gravel newbies or should we v- revisit that later? Oh, I mean, like, I guess my, my real advice for gravel newbies is just to go do it. Um, because like, you're like, just go do it because you're not going to get any more prepared by not doing it. Yeah. That's so true. I love that. Yeah. Like, and that's the thing is that like, (laughs) I was unprepared 
and you know, there were, I definitely had some like complications after the ride. Um, you know, it was hard to walk for several days. <laughs> my feet were numb for like three weeks because, oh, my, geez. because my shoes didn't fit. Um, so like, make sure you have gear that fits, uh, which I know is a big thing with like a lot of the work that you're doing, but like, that's super important. Um, but yeah, I mean, other than that, like, just go do it. Yeah. Like, yeah. And I mean, you know, like I don't, I didn't have any permanent damage. So like not everything fit and my bike didn't really fit. And, you know, like all these things kind of came into, came into play, but I still finished. Like I still did it. I still have the story. And you were uh, on the podium. Um, so yeah, well, that's funny. That's the funny thing. So the, for those who don't know, um, they're the, most of the people who end up on podiums are very, very fast. And <laughs> that means that the podium ceremonies usually happen, um, like mid afternoon, right? So like the 200 mile race starts at 6 AM and they're done in 10 hours or less. And so, you know, I think it's like, it's like five or 6 PM. 5 p.m. is the time for the podium ceremonies for both the 100 and 200. Um, so I missed it. I wasn't even done. I wasn't even done riding. Like I still had another hour to ride before I even finished. And like everybody else who got podiums were, were done. Um, but, it, and again, like going back to this thought that like, I didn't have any expectations. Like I didn't expect anything. You right. know, like I didn't even know to look for the podium, right? Like I was just like, I was looking for this chicken fried rice that happened at a food truck. Like that's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you know, my dad like took some pictures of me and I posted them on the internet. And I said, like, like I said, I was like, I am the non-binary champion of, of, of Unbound. Um, and I made like some comment about like not getting an award or whatever, because I didn't expect an award. Like and it wasn't like a shady comment or anything. Um, but then quite literally, Christy Moan, one of the like race directors for Unbound, like reached out to me on Instagram. And I didn't know who this person was at all. And she's become a really good friend at this point. But she's just like, we do have an award for you. Like, we'll put it in the mail. Oh, my God. Like, I'm so glad we found you. If you're still in town, please come by and we'll give it to you. And I was staying in Kansas city. So I was like, yeah, we'll just like, we'll go through Emporia on the way home that that's totally fine. We'll see you on Tuesday. Um, so then we drive to Emporia Tuesday morning. It's like 7.00 AM. Um, and we get to the, like the event headquarters and Christy and her team have like set up the podium and they've put up the backdrop they've like set up the whole thing the way they do it for all the fast pros and it's like you know around the corner from their headquarters and it's all set up ready to go and they were gonna like have somebody take pictures um and so I had like an official like awards ceremony for me by myself yeah <laughs> so awesome <laughs> um and then of course, you know, they posted about it and like, it got all this attention and, and suddenly I was getting all this attention. Um, and you know, people were like reaching out, I was featured in Velo news and, and all this stuff. And so this is how I like accidentally became bike famous. <laughs> You're doing is, a good work though. You deserve it. Yeah. You know, it's been, um, it's been pretty 
I still don't really know what's happening most days. Um, I'm just kind of like, what, what's going on? Um, Very relatable. It's been a really fun ride for sure. So let's fast forward to, and I don't want this whole thing to be about Unbound because you've talked about this on the Girls Gone Gravel podcast and yeah. Payson's podcast, and um, we don't need to to beat it to death, but to talk about the success of showing up authentically as yourself, fast forward to 2022, there was a full podium. Am I correct on yeah. that? So yeah. So the whole, basically all the stuff blows up, right? I'm kind of like, I don't even know what's going on. Like bike brands are reaching out to like sponsor me. And I don't like, I'm just like, this is the, this is the most ridiculous thing that I've ever heard of. (laughs) I can't believe it's actually happening to me. Um, so anyway, I started working with giant bicycles. I rode a giant in 2021. And so they reached out and they're, you know, they're global marketing directors. Like, Oh, we've been sharing your story internally. Have you ever thought about being an ambassador? And I was just like, what? (laughs) And so anyway, we started working together and and they wanted to do some like more storytelling around it. And I was like, well, you know, with all of this stuff that's coming my way, like bikes and kit and gear and attention and, and all of these things, it's really been my goal and intention to like make whatever has been really good for me, good for as many people as possible. Um, and you know, all this stuff started happening. And I was like, you know, what I would really like is to not be bike famous. I would like for, you know, the fast non-binary people to get bike famous. I would like for these, you know, I would like to not be on the podium. I would like for these fast non-binary people to be on the podium. These people who like have a desire to race professionally. I want them to have a space um, and so with giant support and the sport support of lifetime and unbound and, um, all these other brands, Kuat, Shammy butter goo, the list just goes like on and on, um, you know, with the support of all these brands and all these people, like we went about like doing the work to create a, a larger category, um, and get more people signed up, not just at unbound, but at other events, like all across the country. Um, and then my goal, like I had an expressed goal of like, I want to show up at unbound 2022 and I want there to be so many non-binary people that I don't end up on the podium and podiums are five deep at unbound. So I was like, all right, we have to have at least five other people in my event. And then I want full podiums at every other event. Um, and so it went from one person in 2021 to, uh, 17 in 2020. Wow. Heck yeah. Yeah. In, in all lengths of the event. So, well, not the, not the 350, because that's a much smaller field, but um, 25, 50, 100, and 200 were all, all had non-binary p- participants. That's so uh, rad. And I think importantly, yeah. there were likely unbinary participants in the previous years. Um, maybe the word just hadn't gotten out yeah, that this category wasn't, was available. Wasn't category, right. Um, there was actually at least one other non-binary person in 2021 um, who didn't get their registration moved over. Um, and so we've actually got connected, um, Eli, they're super great. Um, and I like double checked and I did beat them. Like I checked my time and I was like, if, if they had beaten me, I was like, I'm going to give you the award. You did it. Um, (laughs) but like my time was a little bit faster. So I was like, okay, cool. Like here it is. Um, Legitimately like a pioneer of sports history right here on our podcast. 
yeah, that's a weird thing to like, uh, take hold of, I guess. Like, it's hard for me to like internalize that, but because it does feel so, um, unintentional, like it, it just, it, like, I just enjoyed riding my bike and now I get to ride my bike a whole lot more and I have a much <laughs> fancier bike now. And <laughs> I have cool clothes to ride my bike in and it's just, it feels, um, I don't know. It's, it's a really weird thing. I have, I have, I go through phases where I'm like really stoked on it. And then phases where I'm like, what the hell is happening? Um, I, I yeah. do too. Honestly, yeah. as like probably one of the slowest cyclists out there. Um, it's, it's very weird to be doing this for a living. Um, <laughs> and I think it's good. I think it shows that like the industry is ready for something more than just the quote unquote pointy end at the race. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is, you know, like this is a totally new field. It's a totally new uh, way of talking about bikes and promoting bikes and marketing bikes like that the that brands have not really done before. Um, yeah. So it's interesting to be like the first round of folks. <laughs> well, I think, Abby, you said something when you mentioned that they, or when you were talking about them announcing the non-binary category you said four words that i'm gonna have framed on my wall (laughs) this is for me and i think both of y'all as as somebody else and i'm gonna speak for everybody that's listening to this i think both of y'all are people that like see these places where they they need to expand what they think of as a cyclist and you're like this is for me and all the rest of us are so used to thinking this isn't for me that we just think that again and walk the opposite direction and yeah. so on behalf of the rest of us, I would like to thank both of you for looking at those spots and being like, this is for me because you go in and you, you race unbound and you, you podium and they set the podium back up. And that makes everybody that looked at it and said, this isn't for me go. Yeah. It might be though. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it is. So yeah. Thanks. That's y'all. Given some feelings for sure. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Maggie. Um, that kind of leads into my next kind of question or topic of conversation is like, why does all of this matter? Um, you know, sometimes people are like, why, you know, Abby, we had this conversation this weekend of like, I don't throw my straightness in your face when I'm riding a bicycle. Why does it always have to be about, you know, your gender or your sexuality or blah, 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 blah. But let's talk about it. Why does it matter? And you alluded to it of, you know, being able to show up authentically and, um, bring your whole self and to feel safe, but let's, let's dig into that a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, I think on the most basic level, um, everyone deserves to feel safe, right. Showing up, um, as who they are, um, you know, how they identify, like what is in their heart, right. Like you should feel safe showing up and being who you are. Um, And so I think that that should also apply to every area of life, right? And bikes are an area of life. Yeah. Um, An area that we spend a lot of time in. (laughs) Yeah. Right. That we spend a lot like, and, and truly where I find, um, I find an immense amount of joy. You know, I talk about, you know, what I was going through at the beginning of the pandemic, I was dealing with health stuff. Um, I was dealing with like struggles in my career and then a pandemic on top of it. Um, the bike really quickly became a place where like, I felt 
comfortable. I felt enjoyment. I felt like a freedom and an aliveness that I hadn't felt in a long time. And it became like this really powerful tool to manage my mental health and my physical health. Um, and, you know, I spent, because I started writing the pandemic, I spent most of my time writing by myself and that's great. Like, don't get me wrong. Um, but when I started writing with other people and getting connected with other folks, I was like, oh, this is something new and different and special. Um, you know, like Marley getting to ride with you this weekend. Um, we, we took a ride out with some friends of mine. Um, and my wife came along, we rode some gravel and it, I was talking to one friend and I was just like, when I get to ride with my wife and my friends, like, I just feel like everything's in the right place Mm -hmm. and everyone deserves to feel like that, whether it's on a bike or not on a bike. Right. Um, and so like, I always like to say, like, I didn't politicize my gender, like society did. Mm -hmm. Um, and so if, if that's how it's going to be like, then yeah, it is, it is a political thing. Like everything you do is political because you've made this part of me that touches every part of my life political. So you're just living your life. I'm just living my life. Like, like y'all are the ones who did this. And if you don't like that, then change it. Like, if you don't like that, it's political for me to show up and, and ride my bike and, and to show up as myself then stop making it political. Yeah. Like it's that simple, right? Let me show up and be a human being with all the same rights as everyone else. And, and then, then we don't have to deal with this. Like, I don't have to, you know, we don't have to ride with rainbow flags and we don't have to, you know, like for all just like being seen as people and not political pawns, I think, yeah, of course that'd be great. But I didn't choose that. I didn't choose to like, I didn't start politicizing who I am. Like, you know, the, the dominant culture did. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, going, going further into that, like, you know, any space, like any space where we're going to make the division between men and women, like we need to create the space to realize that there are people who fall in between those two and outside of those two options, um, on so many different levels, right? It could be, it could be simply a gender thing, right? Like how we want to interact socially. It could be a biological thing, right? Like biological sex is not binary, right? It like in no way. And, and so there are like, there are so many spaces where people exist outside of what we think of as, oh, there's just these two options. So it's like, if we look at sports, oh, we have men's sports and we have women's sports. And it's like, well, you're missing this whole group of people who don't get to participate because there's not a space for them. Um, and I've been an athlete my whole life, like in different ways. My Both my parents were teachers and coaches and you know, both my brother and sister played collegiate sports and, you know, growing up, it was like sport is actually where I felt the most included because the things that society said were not great about me when they saw me as a quote unquote woman, um, that I was strong, that I was fast, that I was whatever. Um, 
those things were really celebrated in sport. And I think that that's, um, you know, people who identify as women and who identify as athletes, like they feel a lot of that same feeling. Um, and as I came to understand who I really was, um, as a non-binary person, I, I realized I missed that. Like I missed having a space that really allowed me to be who I was and feel like celebrated and accepted because of it. And I'm not the only one. And that's why we need to make these spaces bigger for everyone. Yeah, definitely. Um, one conversation we had last week um, on the podcast was what event directors and um, event organizers can do to make spaces more inclusive. Um, we were talking last week about folks in bigger bodies, um, but you know, and some people hate it when I say this, but like, let's wave a magic wand. What does your like perfect event look like where everything is done to make, you know, non-binary folks feel welcomed or. Um, well, I can tell you it's already been done. It's called grounded Nebraska. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and I mean, maybe it's not the, like the absolute perfect event. Um, but, uh, damn, it comes close. (laughs) What, what makes it so special? Yeah. Well, so first of all, Kate and Susan, who run Grounded Nebraska, they developed a an advisory board, right? So they have people of all different backgrounds um, giving input into how to make their event better, right? And more inclusive of not just non-binary folks, uh, but people of color, um, people in bigger bodies, all like parasite, the whole thing, right? The whole gamut um, of all of these identities that have been marginalized in society, but are maybe even more so marginalized in sport. Um, So they have this great team of people working with them to help make an inclusive event. Um, They obviously have a non-binary category. They have wildly a a very inclusive trans inclusion policy. So if you aren't non-binary, you get to just ride in the category that you identify with, Um, you know, no, questions asked they're not you know trying to look in people's pants or anything like that right like hello florida oh yeah which is actually a thing in texas right now like we're not gonna go into that just yet but um and then they're also aware that like i mean cycling a sport generally um is pretty far behind um and cycling maybe even more so so you know we're talking about um inclusion of non-binary people but like, damn, women don't even have a fair shake yet, like in the cycling industry. And so they um, really took that to heart. And so they have equity-based podiums. So people get paid for winning this event. The the event gives them money, Um, but the women's and the non-binary category um, are paid like 20% more than the men's payout. Hot damn. Um, I love it. Okay. It's it's great. Right. So it's like, (laughs) not only do they, not only are they creating the space, but they're, they're aware of like the cultural context of everything that's going on. And they're, they're working to tip the scales, right. Um, you know, they're working to kind of put more effort in. And so those are things that I think of like right off the bat, like, yes, create a non-binary category. Um, and if you're going to create a non-binary category, it needs to be for non-binary people and not simply a place to dump trans women. Mm. Uh, if you, if you create a non-binary event, um, but you do not allow trans women to compete in the women's category, um, you are not an inclusive event. The end. Period. Yeah. Fuck off. That's how I feel. <laughs> we agree. Yes. Yeah. 
But, yeah. but that's, you know, so many people, I get the question, well, why don't we just have trans women compete in the non-binary category? Or why don't we make like trans specific categories? Um, and like, it just becomes a really dehumanizing process at that point. Um, because when you say that, what you're saying is that trans women aren't women. Right. Um, which likely means you don't know any trans women <laughs> because trust me if you know trans women you know that they're women mm-hmm. and and like like but there's not anything else i can say aside from that um so you know going back to this idea of like a really inclusive event um things like that you know they grounded nebraska had a um had a specifically queer meetup the night before mm-hmm. and they had it um Grounded happens in a really small town called Roca, Nebraska. It's outside of Lincoln, uh, but there's basically nothing there except for a bar and some houses. Like it's literally like <laughs> there, and there might be a grain silo next to the train tracks. I don't know. It's like very small. Um, so they were going to have this meetup at the bar and they went and they like talked to the bar owner and they were like, hey, we want to come and support your establishment. Um, but you need to know that like, we're having a specifically queer meetup and we want to make sure that the people who are coming feel safe. Is that going to be okay with you and the people that frequent this bar, like checking in, like, is this a safe space for us to hold Mm. this particular event? Um, and the guy was like, oh yeah, my daughter's gay. That's great. Um, and so it turned out to be this really like beautiful space. He was actually really excited about having, um, all of us come, all of us queers come and hang out at his bar um and so like those little things add up to a really incredible experience um and i i don't think people realize how especially event directors they don't realize how small these things are yeah right? like you know it's not that hard to throw another checkbox on on a on a registration it's not that hard to check in with um you know where you're going to be hosting something. These steps are small, but they're so impactful. Yeah. yeah. So there's my little shout out to Kate and Susan. Um, And I just checked uh, registration is still open for Grounded Nebraska. Um, Yeah. And they've got, looks like um, ranging from 125 miles, 60 miles. um, They even have a 25 mile and they have a 5k uh, fun run and walk. So whatever your style is, um, grounded is on my list this year. Um, I will be there. There's camping. There's even showers with the camping. Um, they have, um, if I remember correctly, they have like kids activities during the day. So it can be like a full on like family event. Um, and it's in a really cool location with all sorts of stuff. So it's like, like, it doesn't just, you know, like if you have a family, you can bring them along. Like that's a big thing right now in women's sports is that, because women generally in our society hold uh, the majority of the childcare. If you have children, you have a harder time getting to events. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, having events that are sensitive to that is, is so crucial. Um, I am just getting major summer camp vibes, um, but also just want to thank you for, you know, putting yourself out there. Um, I know often me and Maggie will talk like being fat is probably the least interesting thing about us. Um, but it has become almost our whole identity. Um, do you ever feel that way? Um, um, I, I sometimes feel that way in bike spaces. 
you know, um, and, and I mean, maybe you can like relate to this, but I, I don't know, being queer, um, and being visibly queer and, and, uh, I, I don't want to say like more out there, but like, I'm, I'm more out there, uh, whatever space I've been, I've been the queer, you know, um, and, and that, that's meant that I've done a lot of this kind of inclusion work in a lot of different spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes I call myself a professional queer. Um, like I, like I, I make my living by being queer, uh, in whatever way that takes shape. Um, but it is, you know, it becomes this like signal to other people, but you know, like you said about being fat, it's like, it's not like my, like it's, it's just one not, element yeah well and it's also like even that one element in and of itself is not that exciting like I'm just a person yeah you know like I like you know my life is but you came to my house you saw me and my like we're just very regular people <laughs> it's like you know like I, I'm married I have some kids we live in a house we have some pets you know and I and I kind of like to ride my bike you know and like I have lots of interests outside of that like I have a whole career that has nothing to do with bikes and it's and so yeah I definitely like I can I sense the like tokenization piece of it um you know I'm not naive like I know why all this is happening like I'm you know I'm an approachable trans person um, I, I make people feel comfortable generally speaking. And so I'm an easy, you know, person to like put on a pedestal to be like, Oh, look, here's our acceptable trans person. Um, but I think a lot of what I'm trying to do is, is help build those relationships Mm -hmm. so that people know like, Oh, you're just a regular person. Yeah. The other trans people you meet are just regular, regular people. Now they may have different interests and they may have, they may have different colored hair or what? What? I know. (laughs) Oh my gosh. You guys are blowing my mind right now. I know. I know. It's, it's crazy to think about, Oh gosh. Uh, but I think even, you know, I always come back to like, we have so much more in common than we do, than we have differences. Um, and it's easy to see these like flashpoints of like, Oh, the, trans debate or the queer debate or you know like all of these different things and it's like we're really just people and if you were willing to like look past the political boogeyman you would see someone you probably have a lot in common with like somebody- and that you probably get along with too yeah exactly and that's not always the case um but you don't like you know to the cishet folks out there like you don't get along with every cishet person so why would you assume you'd get along with every trans person like you know we're just people and like there are really wonderful trans people and there are some trans people who are assholes and you know what we deserve to be assholes because everyone else gets to be yep you know, like we get to like we deserve to show up in every version of humanity um as everybody else does Abby, if you're going to be on here talking completely logically, I'm not sure we're going to be able to continue this conversation. We just can't. It's just making too much sense. You know what I mean? It's just, we've got to, (laughs) we've got to wind back on the logic here, y'all. I don't know what's going on. Um, 
I I probably shouldn't say this, but I was really surprised this weekend. Um, it we were celebrating Abby's birthday, which is coming up in about a week or two, and I love making cupcakes or cakes for my friends. And we went to the grocery store, and I did not expect you to like plain vanilla cake and plain vanilla frosting. Yeah, but I think it just goes to prove that like even yeah. the most exciting <laughs> people can have really boring tastes too. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'm allowed to have boring cake tastes. You are, like, and it doesn't yeah. actually say anything about you. It doesn't mean you're a vanilla person. True. Although to be fair, you asked what my favorite cake was, and I did say Funfetti. Oh yeah, have it because we were at the fancy like healthy grocery store and right. we had regular APB with trashy Funfetti. <laughs> <laughs> Think about everything you take with you on a bike ride. Snacks, tools, a spare tube, it all has to go somewhere, and sometimes your jersey pockets just aren't the right choice. That is where Fierce Hazel comes in. Fierce Hazel is designed to help get you outside, and they make sustainable bike bags for epic adventures. Fierce Hazel is a woman-led accessory brand who makes eco-friendly bike accessories, including ultralight riding pouches, bike wallets, backpacks, and bike bags. Their products are durable, functional, and uniquely designed so you can worry less and experience more. Fierce Hazel is offering All Bodies on Bikes listeners 20% off. That's right, 20% off. Just use the code ALLBODIES at checkout. Go to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash allbodies for 20% off your purchase. And, you know, honestly, one of the best things about Fierce Hazel is that their products are designed for all types of cyclists, whether you're a recreational rider or a racer or a bike packer or somewhere in between, they've got a product that will definitely meet your needs. All of their accessories are lightweight, durable, and rainproof, and they're made with sustainability at the forefront. So you can expect lots of upcycled products and really well thought out designs. Again, check out Fierce Hazel today and use a special discount code ALLBODIES for 20% off your purchase. Go to fiercehazel.com slash discount slash ALLBODIES for 20% off your purchase. Thanks for being a great supporter of the show, Fierce Hazel. To live your healthiest, longest life possible, you need to understand what's going on inside. Inside Tracker takes a personalized approach to health and longevity from the most trusted and relevant source, your body. Inside Tracker was created by experts in aging, genetics, and biometric data from Harvard, Tufts, and MIT. Inside Tracker provides personalized health analysis and clear recommendations, plus an action plan on how to live healthier, longer. This next, next part is really wild, Maggie. Inside Tracker can also calculate your biological age, the rate at which you're aging compared to your chronological age, as well as ways to lower your biological age. I just did this test and my biological age is 10 years older. So we're working oh. on bringing that down right now. That's okay. Yeah. The thing we love most about Inside Tracker is they give you recommendations on things you can control to optimize your health, like food, supplements, workouts, and other lifestyle choices. For me, that means more uh, olive oil in my diet. Oh. Olive oil and vitamin D are my personalized recommendations. Uh, Did you also know that you can use your HSA, HRA, and FSA to buy any Inside Tracker plan? That means you can purchase Inside Tracker using your tax-free dollars. Oh, and it gets better. 
for a limited time, you get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store when you sign up. So if you're ready to get a crystal clear picture of what's going on inside your body, along with science-backed recommendations to optimize what's not working, then visit insidetracker.com slash feisty for 20% off today. Well, we've got about, we've got a couple minutes left. Something that I really wanted to talk about is you had a post up on Instagram. Um, I was going to ask you, like, how do people be an ally to trans folks? And then I was like, no, Marley, one of the things you said in your post of how to be an ally is to educate yourself. Um, so I went back and I reread it and you have six fairly easy things, at least to talk about in the podcast, um, for how to be an ally. And I would just yeah. love to go through those real quickly. Um okay. Because you did the work. I'm not going to make you redo the work on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so the first one is just to educate yourself. Um, do you have any like books or resources that you would recommend to folks? Or is it just as simple as Google? Um, well, one of my favorite things to, um, uh, one of my favorite resources is um, the A to Z of gender and sexuality by Morgan Holub Potts. Um, that, so one of the big questions that I get is, um, you know, I don't know what these things mean. Um, and this is a book written as essentially, excuse me. Um, it's a book written as, uh, essentially a, a dictionary of all of these terms. Um, there's, there's more to it than just that. Like it's a really, it's a very engaging read. Um, but I, I, I know Morgan, he's a very good friend of mine. Um, and, he wrote an incredible book that I think is really, really helpful. So anytime this question comes up, I always recommend that first. Um, but Google does have a lot. And one of the things I say in that post um, is that learning how to um, spot good sources versus bad sources um, is a very important part of educating yourself, not just around these sorts of like issues and topics, but um, just generally being information literate. Yes. Um, if you are not that, then that's where you need to start um, because you can't believe everything you see on Facebook. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I know, mind blown again. Um, so learning how to like, learning how to see where your information is coming from um, and and vet those sources is is really important in educating yourself because it can be as easy as Google. And depending on your previous search history, Google might be a terrible idea. So good point. Yeah. Um, the next tip you have for folks, and we'll put a link to that book in the show notes for sure, um, is to respect pronouns. Um, and this is something Maggie and I need to be better about. I use she, her pronouns. We should probably say that on every show. Okay. I use she, her pronouns as well. I use they, them pronouns. And it's really a simple. See how easy that was? We did it. Exactly. Good job, guys. When you introduce yourself to somebody new, ask what their pronouns are and work on using them. Um, one thing that you put in your post that I love is you're you're going to slip up. It's okay. Acknowledge it, move on and help other people, um, use the right pronouns as well. So, you know, if we're talking about Abby and Abby's not here, um, and Abby or, and Maggie uses the wrong pronoun, I can just say, Hey, Abby uses they, them simple as that. Very Nobody, simple. Very yeah. easy. Yeah. Nobody's getting mad about it. Um, the next one I really love and something that I don't think I think about enough is to go with, literally go with a person. Um, so, you know, maybe that's going to the bathroom with somebody to make sure that they stay physically safe. Um, you know, going with somebody to an event, maybe that's in Arkansas where it's not the safest space to be. Um, do you have any other examples of when it would be helpful to go with? I think that that's brilliant. I think that that, I mean, that example works so well, like, especially, 
Um, because, you know, I ride gravel. That's been kind of my thing. And it's like gravel is dangerous. Anytime you get out into rural areas, it's typically not safe to be queer. Um, and so, you know, riding with folks, going, you know, like going with folks to the bathroom, as long as you like ask and you're not being creepy about it. Like, <laughs> Can I watch hey, you pee? You like, you know, like I got to go too. you know, whatever, like not like follow them in a creepy way. Do you need uh, to go to the bathroom? Do you need to go to the bathroom? Excuse me. Do you need to go to the bathroom? Cause I'll go with you. I'll go with you to the bathroom. <laughs> Um, but you know, there are a lot of really major events, uh, major gravel events that are in States with, uh, anti-trans bathroom bills or bathroom laws on the books. Um, so going with other folks, uh, to the bathroom, you know, why peeing is such a hot topic, (laughs) I don't understand, but Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to take some friends with me when I need to do my business. Yes. And I will gladly be that friend. Um, you know, if we are at an event and you see me and you are not feeling safe, um, be like, Marley, let's go to the bathroom. And I won't think you're creepy. Marley, at all. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, this next one kind of is on that same, the next couple are to use your privilege. Um, so as a cisgender person, I can advocate for my trans friends. Um, you know, one of the easiest ways to do this that I've found in my career even is if there's a single gender bathroom, um, just asking them to change the language on the outside of it to say gender neutral. Um, you know, oftentimes there will be single, single, stall or single person bathrooms that are still labeled men and women. And that just others so many people. Um, and that's a simple thing you can advocate for at your place of work, at a bar, at a coffee shop. Mm-hmm. It doesn't even cost any money. You can literally put a cute sign up that says gender neutral. Yeah. I like yeah. the one I saw online the other day that just said human. There you go. Yeah. Better not um, tell you that in there. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then you've got two more on there. Um it's just to stay open, you know, continue to learn. Um, things will continue to evolve and change and um, just being okay with that and learning and changing. Um, and then finally to support trans advocates and athletes. And you put a couple of resources in here. Um, do you have a, do you want to name off a couple that if folks wanted to support organizations? Um, yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I will say it myself because I'm trying to do some big things this year and I could definitely use the help and support. Um, but also, you know, the the ride group is doing lots of wonderful work. Uh, that's Molly Cameron's uh, organization. They're doing a lot of work in the, you know, in the performance space and getting more folks, you know, to feel safe on bikes and, and really start a conversation. Um, but then I think after that, my... Uh, my, my goal would be to have people, um, look up who's doing the best work in their area. Right. So yeah, there's all these like national things happening and that's cool. But when it comes to like the most bang for your buck and like how the most money gets directly to being supportive, um, it's, it's the local organizations in your area. Um, and that's, that's huge. And again, use those Google skills. Yes. Yeah. It's, you will find it. Um, But we'll put up a direct link to both queer gravel and ride group too, that you mentioned in the show notes. Okay. Well, Abby, perfect day on a bike for you. What does that look like? Um, shit. It looked like Saturday. Yeah. Uh, Marley was in town. We were, it was kind of my like birthday ride. My birthday's not so next week, but happy birthday. I, I claim the whole month of February as my I birthday. That. Absolutely. February is my birthday. Um, 
but I got some friends together. Um, Marley was able to come. My wife rides, but not a whole lot. And so when she does, it's always really fun for me. So it was like my wife, my best riding friends and a beautiful day. Um, like the weather was gorgeous and it was my favorite route in, you know, my favorite gravel route around Austin. Um, and it was just super fun to like hang out and chat. We weren't trying to like hammer or anything like that, you know, took some time to like get some content and make some videos. I put my drone up and like, oh, heck know, yeah. cool stuff. Um, yeah. So I think perfect day on the bike. I, I, if only that were longer, I think mm. is the, like if we could do that all day. Um, with like a fun lunch stop in between, it would be perfect. And then at the end, we had cupcakes and non-alcoholic beer. We had cupcakes, we had non-alcoholic beer, and then we went and got pizza. It was, I mean, it was a very, very well-rounded day. And then I we mean, took a nap. Well, I took a nap. I, we didn't take a nap. We took a nap, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I played with all the footage that I took. That was my, like. <laughs> Where can there folks you find your footage? Uh, yeah. I have a YouTube channel. Um you know, I tell people I got into gravel because I was, I, I found it all on YouTube. And yeah. um, now I feel like how much cooler would it be if another queer trans person was out there looking for what kind of cycling they wanted to do. And they saw another trans person out there doing the stuff that they wanted to do. So nope. um, youtube.com slash queer gravel, basically queer gravel across all platforms. That's where you'll find me. Um but yeah, go, go watch my YouTube videos. I, I think that some of them are pretty good. Um, I'm new to this, but I'm really having a lot of fun. And uh, there are a couple of videos that I'm like, I did a good job. Wow. <laughs> I was like, I watched it back and I was like, oh. <laughs> I would hundred oh percent agree. Your video production okay. skills are like, I don't know, a hundred times better than mine. And I try and have a YouTube channel kind of. So go watch Abby's YouTube videos is the moral of that story. There you go. Well, and then our, my, my favorite question to ask people in general, but especially people that are on here, yeah. you get to talk about bikes a lot. You get mm -hmm. to talk about non-binary a lot. Mm -hmm. What is something you wish you got to talk about more? Something you wish more people asked you? Mm, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, I mean, I like talking about my actual job. I'm, I'm a, uh, I'm an Enneagram coach and teacher. I wrote a book on it. Fantastic. Uh, Enneagram's a personality like typing system. Um, I'm kind of a nerd about, um, interpersonal slash spiritual development. Um, so if you want to know how to be a better person, like hit me up, I'll, <laughs> I'll point you in the direction of like my actual work and like, uh, yeah, I, I really, I have a lot of fun talking about that sort of stuff. Awesome. Um, Abby, this has been such a pleasure to spend this time with you. Um, our community is better for having you in it and for sharing your wealth of knowledge and resources and, um, just being yourself. So thank you. Um, I, I do think that, you know, young queer folks or even older queer folks are going to see you, they're going to hear you and they're going to say, yes, I can do that. Um, this so, is for me. Yep, exactly. Yeah. This is for me. Um, so thank you again for your time. And we will put links to everything we talked about in the show notes. And um, yeah, go go follow Abby everywhere at Queer Gravel. Everywhere. Everywhere, except for the bathroom. Unless okay. Yes. Yeah, unless you ask. Ask yes. first. <laughs>
All right. This has been another episode of All Bodies on Bikes, the podcast. Um, thank you for yeah, joining us, Abby. This is an All Bodies on Bikes podcast powered by Feisty Media. The show is produced by Maggie and Marley and edited by the team at Feisty Media. Thanks for listening. Hey, Maggie, I have a question for you. Okay. If a bike has four wheels, is mm-hmm. it still a bicycle? Ooh, you know, I don't know. But what I do know is that is exactly the kind of bike our new sponsor, Par Bikes, makes. Par Bikes are extremely adjustable and they work great for riders of any size, age, or physical fitness level. Par Bikes are uniquely designed. They are four wheel bikes offering additional stability that traditional two or three wheel bikes just don't have. With a weight capacity of up to 700 pounds and height adjustability for folks four foot three to seven feet plus, this bike will work for your entire family. And these bikes are super sturdy. They are handcrafted in the USA and they are shipped 99% assembled. And so you can get options for one or two seaters, electrified or not. And that means that there is a par bike for everybody. Dang, these bikes sound really cool. Uh, even cooler, though, is if you use the code ALLBODIES, you can get $100 off um, at parbikes.com. That's P-A-R-B-I-K-E-S.com. And use the code ALLBODIES for $100 off. Happy riding! Maggie, I have found a new ride snack that I am absolutely obsessed with, and I'm so excited that they're now one of our sponsors. Have you heard of JoJ Bars? I have heard of JoJ Bars. Have you tried them yet? Do you have a favorite flavor? Okay, so listen, uh, one of the flavors that I have tried so far is maple bacon pancake something something. And you open the package. I was I had low expectations for a bar that tastes like breakfast. But you open the package and you're like, who just started cooking pancakes? Because Ooh. it smells just exactly like that. And I have it was not delicious. I haven't tried that one yet, but I'm really excited because I do have a box with all the different bars. Um, the well, let, let's talk about JoJ bars and why we love them so much. Uh, so they're definitely a bar worth sharing. Yeah. Um, they were actually founded by a chef and pro cyclist, Jess Sarah, who frequents the Feisty Podcast, which we love. Uh, she was part of the syrupy, sticky, crumbly, overly sugary bars out there. Oh, yeah. We definitely know what that's all about. Who, so yeah. there's three things that distinguish JoJ bars from the rest. Um, one, they're baked like a cookie, giving them an absolutely amazing texture. And you and I can both confirm this because we've gotten Mm -hmm. a chance to eat them. Uh, two, they're made with only real food ingredients like dried fruit, nuts, seeds, and honey. Uh, they also have balanced macros to keep you fueled without crashing or feeling overly full. We like all of those things. We do like all of those things. And three, uh, we kind of alluded to this, but they have really delicious and unique flavors like lemon berry quinoa, white chocolate coconut blondie, and Maggie's favorite, pancakes and bacon. Seriously so good. And all of the bars are gluten-free. Which is fantastic. So if any of that or all of that appeals to you, you can go to jojbar.com. That is J-O-J-E 
bar.com. And if you use the code FEISTY, you get 20% off a one-time purchase and subscriptions. Awesome. Thank you so much for your uh, sponsorship, JoJ Bars. And I can't wait to eat these all summer long on all of my adventures. All the rides. 